bath towels and washcloths, and other things, please do so before November 12th. We have totes out in the foyer where you can bring your donations. Just another friendly reminder to sign up for the women's retreat that is happening November 2nd to the 4th. Registration is now open. This next announcement is for all of our visitors. If this is your first time here at FFM, we would like to welcome you. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us, but also we would like to get to know you. Please, after today's service, go to our visitor center called FFM Connect out in the foyer today where you can receive all the information you know to know more about our church family, our vision and values, and ways to get involved. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today. For our next announcement, Sermon Notes winner. This week's Sermon Notes winner is Grayson Miller. Why don't you guys go ahead and give Grayson a hand? For those of you who don't know, Sermon Notes winner is just a little drawing, a little segment we do for the kids who take Sermon Notes. We have a kids Sermon Notes packet ready each and every Sunday in the front row by the altar. If you would like your kid to grab a Sermon Notes packet for today's service, please let one of the ushers know today. For our next announcement, Invite Challenge of the Week. This week's Invite Challenge of the Week is to invite a married couple that you know in your life that doesn't have a home church to come to FFM and listen to the remainder of the marriage sermon series. As we close out this series, invite a married couple you think would benefit from it to come to church with you. And for our last announcement, Volunteer of the Week. This week's Volunteer of the Week is Jonathan Hopstetler. Why don't you guys go ahead and give Jonathan a hand? For those of you who don't know, Jonathan does a lot here at FFM. More specifically, a lot of the behind the scenes work that many people wouldn't want to do. He's one of our head ushers and he's the type of guy you want on your team to get things done and get things done well. Jonathan, thank you so much for all that you do here at FFM. Come and see me and I'll get you a gift card for the Cross Culture Cafe. If you would like your announcement to be on FFM News every Sunday morning, please email us at ffmnews96 at gmail.com today. Also, for those of you who don't know, Doug Schwartz, one of our elders, sends out a newsletter each and every week with different updates happening throughout the church family. If you would like to be a part of this email list, please contact Doug Schwartz today. Well, church family, that's all we have for this week's segment of FFM News. Thanks for watching and have a great week. Yeah, man, give Breno a hand for everything he tries to keep up with. I want to say thanks for emailing your announcements to the email address. That's really helping us as we try not to forget a lot of details that happen. Uh, again, with so much that's going on, a lot of our uh, full-time staff just pushed in a lot of directions. Sometimes those little details uh, do get missed. It's not on purpose. If we do miss a detail, just give us some grace. We'll try and catch it up. Uh, but we're trying to put some things in place that really help us. And I think, I think they're, they're coming well. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. Now, I love the little uh, totes out there for toothbrushes and toothpaste as you're turning there. Um, I, how, many, how many of you, when you come home from the dentist, you always have a handful of toothbrushes? And, and then you've got like a, a box, you put those things in, and before long, if you, your spouse, and all your kids come home, you got like 500 toothbrushes, and bring them. I was just sitting there, because I've been thinking, I was looking for a bar of soap, a new bar of soap, and I came across a little thing my wife has in the cabinet full of toothbrushes, I'm like, we gotta do something with all these things. Um, yes, I do brush my teeth, okay, but I can only use one at a time. 
Bring them. Put them in there. That would be great. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything if you have some. Uh, but pick up when you're at the store if you want to. Pick up an extra thing of toothpaste or just some gloves or a, a beanie and those type of things. And we'll get them over to uh, Keystone as they get ready for uh, winter for everything that's happening. The, you'd be surprised at how far just a pair of socks or a, um, a stick of deodorant goes um, in, in that, or just a bar of soap, those type of things uh, for people who are, find themselves in that position. And so, little as much with the Lord. Amen? All right, Matthew chapter 18. Everybody say, here we go. Here we go. Matthew chapter 18, let's read a very famous portion of scripture as we get into our fourth message in maximizing your marriage. Verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Now, when I read that scripture real quick, you know what that tells me? Peter hasn't forgotten. If he had forgotten, he'd have no premise to ask the question. Peter hasn't forgotten that his brother has sinned against him. A lot. The question, how many times? How many times? Because I remember all those. Peter has not forgotten. You ever heard that statement? Oh, just forgive and Peter hasn't forgotten. You can't just read your Bible. And then he says, as many as seven times, because I remember the other six. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Oh, can I pray for us? Lord, bless the reading. Of the word to our heart and the hearing of our ear in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now on purpose today I'm going to try and keep my comments and this message a little shorter. Because marriage is an institution of action. There's never a moment where some kind of action doesn't take place in marriage. Today... I'm unapologetically going to ask married people and people who have experienced the brokenness of divorce for action. And we're going to talk about the one thing married people don't want to talk about, and that is forgiveness. And I will say this very boldly and very plainly. I will say this as a man who understands the difficulty of this. You're not married for 30 plus years and don't understand this. But there is nothing that has happened in marriage that when two people surrender their hearts to the Lord cannot be forgiven. There's nothing that's unforgivable. I'm not saying it's easy. Peter... is saying to the Lord, this is difficult. Why? Because love does not forgive and forget. Love forgives and still remembers. 
Y'all don't like it already. Why? Because you've owned something that you thought was spiritual, that you thought lined up with your theology that might think it's biblical. You've owned an idea that is impossible. You just have to forgive and forget. You've owned the idea the Bible never commanded you to do. It's not there. Forgive and forget. It's not there. Probably one of the most misunderstood issues in marriage is the issue of forgiveness. Let me, can I tell you a story? Let me just tell you a Bible story. No, it's not a story about chasing woodchucks, okay? In the story of the forgiveness of man, the story you hold in your hand, in the story of the forgiveness of man, I need you to, I need you to pay attention. I need you to pay attention. There is a lot. Everybody say a lot. There is a lot that takes place from the fall of man in the garden until we get to the forgiveness of man at Calvary. There is a lot that takes place. Hello, somebody. Do you understand that in the story that you hold in your hand, that God did not go straight from the garden to Calvary? It took some time. Come on, somebody. And it's this non-biblical idea that love forgives and forgets that causes couples to live in a cycle of unhealed hurt. Some be some man. You're quiet this morning. The issue is this. We don't forget. And the Bible never commands us to. Church. See, God forgives and forgets why. Because God doesn't have anything to learn in the process. <laughs> God has the ability to forgive and forget why. He has nothing to learn in the process. Come on, church. We forgive and remember why. Because we've got a lot to learn in the process. There is a lot to learn in the process. See, it's human to forgive and remember. It's divine to forgive and forget. And a marriage is not going to understand without understanding the practice. Everybody say practice. The practice of forgiveness. How many times, Lord? Do you understand the Lord is not giving Peter a time? He's, he's, he's pressing Peter to practice. Do you understand that Peter is confessing to the Lord, I cannot forget. I remember the other six. If you'd like, Lord, I can detail to you how awful they were. What they did to me. 
How it left me wounded, hurt. Uh, how it left me degraded. How it left me in, in a place that I never wanted to be. Lord, I can talk to you about some nasty stuff. How often, Lord? Come on, married people. How come it is that we often experience the greatest wounds and hurts from the person who is the closest to us? How often, how, how, how often does it happen that we wound the person closest to us at the greatest depth? Come on, let's just be honest. I need everybody to be honest in here. Listen, nobody's required to come in here and put on a spiritual hat. Listen, we're all walking with Jesus. We're all walking with Jesus. But we know that that happens in marriage and it happens. And when it happens in marriage, it often happens at the deepest parts of our soul. No one cuts us. No one hurts us. No one wounds us deeper and more thoroughly than our spouse can at times. Why? The person you trust the most. Why? How could they do this? How could this happen? What could go on? Maybe there's dysfunction. Maybe you've been living in dysfunction. Maybe you've been in a cycle of dysfunction for 30 years. You've been on that merry-go-round of dysfunction and as a married couple you just can't get over it and you just wind yourself repeating the same old patterns, walking around the same old... Ro- Come on, somebody. A marriage will not survive without understanding the practice of forgiveness. In marriage, everybody, you, ever, you know, when, when, when a patriarch of the family passes away, a grandfather, a grandmother, a strategic person in the family, at, at their service, we will often hear people say, man, they were the glue. They were the glue. They were the glue that kept us together. That's a powerful statement. Why? Because we realize the, the permanence of influence. We realize the permanence of presence. We realize how, how powerful that it is. But I need to, you to understand today that as, as we go through this portion of our marriage series, that marriage... Is not held together by your charisma, even by your determination just to stay married. Because a lot of people who just stay married and are miserable folk. Forgiveness is the glue that holds marriage together. I said forgiveness, not even commit. It's greater than commitment. Because you can have married people who are still married, but they not. Come on, somebody. They don't live in the joy that marriage should bring to our lives. And that's the, that's the frustration we have. Marriage is held together through the glue of forgiveness. And couples who are going to be successful in marriage are only those who understand and have an attitude of forgiveness. But Pastor Don, if I forgive them, they'll get away with what they did. If I forgive them, they'll just repeat the cycle. There's no accountability. And what we do in those statements is we take, we take something that we should forgive. And instead of doing away with it, we file it. 
I mean, no one sees it. No one knows it's there. It's my filing cabinet. I have the key. But the, the thing that no one else sees either, the thing that no one else, including your spouse, is they never see how many files you have in your filing cabinet pertaining to them. But I forgave them because no one sees it. No, no one knows it's there. I, I did. I forgave them. And see, Pastor Don, I'm allowed to have this filing cabinet because you just said it's impossible for me to forget. Well, y'all not helping me. Forgiveness is our fourth tool in our series here. We're like, Pastor Don, we got two more weeks. Hold on. Because just because you got tools in your tool bag doesn't mean you know how to use them. Come on. Right. Y'all, some of y'all don't even like my filing cabinet right now. You didn't want to look at it. Because my filing cabinet now has become your filing cabinet. And you're asking yourself, how did he get my filing cabinet on the stage? If you've been married any length of time, you, you've probably been hurt very deeply by your spouse. And you're not fooling anybody in the room by saying anything other than yes. You're not. I'm human, you're human, we're all human, we understand that. And it's extremely hard to forgive when we've been hurt. Somebody say amen. It is. It is it is hard to do that. And, and because of that, because it is extremely hard to forgive, I think we completely understand Peter's question. Yeah. Lord, how many times? How many times? How do I have to put up? Why? Why, Lord, do I have to put up with this over and over and over again? I mean, how many times do I have to hear I'm sorry? How many times do I have to see? Hey, here, it'll never happen again. How many times do I have to hear, just forgive me? I won't do that again. Uh, Just, you know, I'm sorry it happened again. How many times, Lord, do I have to do that? See, because of this issue, because of our hurts, because of our wounds, I think every one of us in this room completely understand Peter's question. And that's also why it's hard for us to accept Jesus' answer. That forgiveness should be unlimited. He never said, forget. If he would have said forget, he'd have just said one time. Because, I mean, you should forgive and forget. He said 70 times 7, implying that this is not the first time you're going to have to learn to practice forgiveness. I mean, he's speaking to a heart of a matter here that I think married people can understand better than anybody else. See, the, the, the revelation of this is critical to understand marriage and its relationship. 
Let me tell you what the Bible says, and we love it. Listen, we were at a wedding yesterday, and, 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 and you know, uh, wedding season is coming to an end, and uh, it's, it's incredible. We were at an outdoor wedding yesterday. Hello, somebody. That's a little cool. It was beautiful. The bison were in the background down at Cook's Bison Ranch, and, and the day of rehearsal on Friday, they had them in a different field, but the day of the wedding, they put them in the field right behind the wedding venue, and I'm like, they did that on purpose. They want, it was beautiful. It was, cold. it was a little cold outside. And I, I told Lisa, I said, note to sell dissuade outdoor weddings in October. <laughs> it was beautiful. Ryan and Lucy's wedding was beautiful. But oftentimes at a wedding, what chapter of the Bible do we hear? 1 Corinthians 13. Right? It's always there. Love, 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 love. It's so good, yeah, right? Because they're all in love, and you know they're they're looking forward to their honeymoon, and everything is perfect, and nothing is it could go wrong in their marriage. They've just stood before the altar of God and all of God's people and their family, and and they've said we're the perfect couple. We're never going to have any issues. Not like you. We're never having any issues because we're perfect. They've just done that. They've just done that. They haven't arrived to the airport yet on the honeymoon and tried to figure out what they're going to do when they lost their luggage. We hear 1 Corinthians 13 just about at every wedding. But let me point something out to married people in this room listening to this marriage about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Wait, what? What about all these? Shh, don't tell nobody. Matter of fact, let's do this. Let's put them way in the back. Nobody, you know what? That's not good enough. I'm going to put it in the bottom cabinet, in the back. Because, right, love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, I've been giving you some definitions. I want you to hold on this. Because the word record, is, it's like, it's, record keeping is a very important thing today, right? Tax records, hello, somebody, you better keep your tax records. Bank records, you better keep your bank records, right? Even your health records today, right? Everybody's got an app, right? Everything's on there. All these things, health records, those things. But, but there are some records that married people should never keep. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. You don't even know. And those are the records of the time that your spouse has wronged you. You see... The word record, it's an accounting term. I'm going to give you some definitions. This is not PD's definition. This is just an accounting term. And it means to keep an account. But there's an inference. There's an emphasis to its meaning. And the idea of the term to keep an account is that the idea is a permanent record that you can check on to hold against someone. It's like having a filing cabinet. I forgave them. But the next time the argument comes up, you remember that time? You know what I tell married people? It's not in my notes. 
that if you have a moment in your marriage where you have to ask for and extend forgiveness, you should take communion. Why? Because whatever is behind communion can never be brought back up again. You should set the cups out. You should pour. You should get the bread. And you should take communion. Because whatever happens behind communion can never be brought up again. It's not filed. It's not forgotten. But it's chosen to be under the blood. Oh. word wrongs literally means evil or injury. So it doesn't refer to a minor defense. This record, love keeps no record of wrong. It's not just a minor offense. It's not just like, you know, you yelled at me or you called me a name or, or you did the, you know what I'm saying? Like, even though those things are terrible in of themselves. Again, why would I ever, like I said last week, would I ever raise my voice to the gift of God? Why would I do that? This refers to the things that deeply hurt us and the things that are terribly unjust. Somebody say amen. And those are the things that we don't keep on the top shelf of the filing cabinet that are very easy to get to. Those things are so deep and so terrible that we put them in the bottom drawer, in the very back. Because even if our spouse finds that we don't want them to find that one, it's so terrible. It's so I don't even I I'm I'm not going to get rid of it, but I'm definitely not. I'm I'm going to file it, but I I don't even want to look at it. Can I can I say this to a church that the negative way to express this truth is that love keeps no records of wrongs. It, it, that says stop filing things away. The positive way to say this is that love always forgives. So when you keep no record of wrong, what you're doing is you're actually obeying Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. That's what the scripture encourages us to do. See, listen, what you've done as a spouse who is interested in filing hurts away is you have created an atmosphere that you have to live with. This thing is in my way this morning. I cannot preach this morning. I can't do what I do this morning without having to walk around this thing. It's in my way. But I refuse to get out of it. I put it there. I put it there. I put what's inside of it in there. Not my spouse, not anybody else. But I spent my life complaining not only that it's there, but what's inside of it. And I was the one who filed all those things against Lisa. I was the one who put it in the way. I was the one who put them all in there. For what? 
You see, when you refuse to forgive, you keep a ledger of wrongs. And each record becomes a landmine, not only in your life and in your heart, but in your marriage. And let me promise you something about landmines. You will step on them at the most inconvenient time, and they're only there for destruction. They serve no other purpose other than to destroy what steps on them. And what you don't understand is everything you file away against your spouse, every record you keep against your spouse, is not a landmine that they step on. It's a landmine that you step on. I have no idea how I'm going to preach this in second service because none of this messes in my notes. When your spouse places the slightest pressure on any area, you are the one who explodes. You're the one guilty of anger. You're the one guilty of harsh words. Why? Because you've got your mind loaded. You're the one who uses profanity. You're the one who does even worse. Let me, let me just say this. There's no room. There's no room for physical abuse. Inside of a marriage. Either way. That's not only ungodly. That's satanic. And you say, well, Pastor Don, what? I mean, it's not physical abuse I'm worried about. It's the verbal abuse. That's, that's just as bad. It's because you've set a landmine up and your spouse has stepped on it and you go boom. And the only result of you going boom is destruction. There's no life in it. So keeping records of wrongs, it opens the door to all kinds of problems in your marriage. But see, forgiveness guards your heart and your marriage from other sins. Oh, come on. How many times I hear husbands say, well, my wife and I, you know, we just, young people, it's married sermon series. I love you. Listen, we're going to talk about it because the Bible talks about it. We're going to talk about it. She, she, she won't, we won't be, she won't let us be intimate enough. So that's why I have to use pornography. That is a cowardice cop-out. It's a cowardice cop-out. She just makes me so angry. She just pushes my buttons all the time. You know, ladies, if you're doing that, please don't. You know his buttons. You know his buttons. Come on. He's, he's got a button. Just like you can't help... The hormones you have to deal with during chocolate week. Dude's got a button. Dude's got a nuclear button. Stop pushing it. That doesn't give give guys a lack of responsibility for keeping their button covered. 
This is my button. You don't get to push it. But let's be honest, guys. Sometimes it gets pushed. And the one who knows how to push it the best is the one who likes to push it the hardest. Why are you pushing buttons? I was in the coffee shop. The thing wasn't working one day back there. And Tammy, gosh, I was here. And the new machine wasn't working. It was broke. It wasn't working. And so she was like, I don't know what to do with it. And so I just started pushing buttons. And Tammy's like, why are you pushing buttons? Doesn't work anyway. (laughs) Not keeping a record of wrongs is obviously easier said than done. Everybody say amen. amen. Because it requires forgiveness. The first step in forgiveness is realizing it's a choice. And every day I'm faced with this choice. It's choosing to love and acting accordingly. You can't say you chose to forgive and then you didn't act accordingly. It's choosing to love and acting accordingly, married people. Only love can enable you to keep no record of wrongs because of the great attribute of love. Can I read it to you? First Peter, the same guy who asked Jesus a question. First Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep Loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. I will say this to every person every time I get to preach a marriage sermon series. Outside of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the local church, it was the love of my wife that changed my life. I was angry. You don't even want to know. You, have, you don't even want to know. I was bitter. And it was her love, her relentless love, that helped God transform my heart. You see, the problem is we live in this old saying that says, I've buried the hatchet, but I marked the spot. I buried the hatchet, but I marked the spot. You see, what love does, though, love buries the hatchet and doesn't mark the spot. We we bury the hatchet and then we mark it on a map with a big old X like what we buried is some kind of treasure. It's going to benefit us at some point in the future. But unforgiveness never benefits you. It never been. I have no idea how I'm going to preach this at second service. Y'all might want to listen to both of them because I know it's going to be totally different. That's all right. God knows. Love forgives and doesn't file things away to use later. Can I say this? Love does not forgive and forget. Love remembers and it still forgives. Why? Because remembering always causes action. Oh, y'all not ready. See, y'all not ready. To hold on to hurt so that you have a weapon for the future, that is the wrong action. 
And the problem is because we have been living in a non-biblical attitude in our marriage about just forgive and forget, which is impossible to do, we have equated to filing things away in the bottom row in the back part of our filing cabinet. And we got so much mess from our spouse that we don't even know where to begin to forgive what has happened to us. That's a wrong action, married people. That is a wrong action. And we must stop it. And we must even ask for forgiveness for doing that. We must say, I had no idea how to do it any other way. But I'm learning a new way to walk in forgiveness. Will you help me? Will you help me? To release hurt so that you're healed from it. That, my friends, is a right action. Oh, y'all not ready. How does this thing work? How does this thing work? See, this is the struggle with forgiveness. I have no idea how this thing works. I asked beforehand, have we tested these things? Do they work? Even when I want to forgive, you see what struggle it is. You see what struggle it is. But if I stay consistent, that, my friends, that, my friends, in your marriage is the right action. That is the right action. Some of you in this room... Come on up here, worship team. Some of you in this room, you need to take action today in order to save your marriage. I, it's life or death right here in this room today. Some of you in this room, you need to take right action in order to save your marriage. And let me say this. Maybe you're in this room, maybe you're listening. And you've experienced the brokenness of divorce. And you find yourself here single because of, of, of just incredible hurts and wounds that never could be overcome. Or maybe you're on the edge. Maybe you came to this service today and you and your spouse are, are so much on edge. And, and you couldn't even come to church. Y'all not helping me. Together. Can I say this, divorced people? Forgiving your ex-spouse. It's the right action. It's the right action. That's for you. God's not leaving you out. God is not leaving you out. You know why it's the right action? Married and unmarried alike. Good marriage, struggling marriage, person sitting who's gone through the worst thing that I would wish. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Divorce. The scripture says, keep no record of wrong. This morning when you came in, you were given a piece of paper. I want you to open it up as a couple. Stand in this room. 
Stand right now. Stand right now. That paper says filed, not forgiven. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And frankly, I don't care. You're the one who should care. I don't, want, I don't know what caused you to put that paper in your filing cabinet. I don't know what caused you to put it way back here. But if you want what God has, at, has promised you in marriage this morning, you need to take the right action. And I want you to take this piece of paper as an illustration, filed, not forgiven, from deep within your filing cabinet of your heart right now. Married, uh, divorced people, you're, there's shredders up here for you too. And I want you to make a choice right now. We've got shredders. And I want you to bring it to this altar as we worship the Lord. This morning, take action right now. Come on. Come on. Take action right now. Come on, married people. Come together and take action right now. Be done with this. Stop filing things away. Watch what God will do when you keep no record of wrong. When you allow God to heal your heart, there's no landmines in your marriage. There's no landmines in your marriage. And I want to pray for us right now. Come on. Those who are moving to the front, those who are standing right where you're at. I want to pray for us right now. Father, in this house today there is faith. In this house today, God, there is faith right now. And I pray as we take action in this place that married people will be delivered and set free, God. God, that finally what's been hidden in darkness not only comes to the light, but God is removed. God, I pray against every landmine in every marriage. God, there are hurts from words. There are hurts, God, from actions. There are hurts, God. There are hurts, Lord, that are so deep they can, Lord, barely be spoken of if they can be spoken at all. So, Father, I pray that this moment of action for people who are married, look, right over here, there's more. This one is running. Come on. Come on, there's more. Just step out. You don't have to wait. Come to the next one. Come to the next one. Father, right now, we're operating in faith. And God, I expect healing in that marriage. I expect deliverance in that marriage. God, I expect communication to come, Lord, in an incredible way. I expect soft and kind words where they used to be harsh, Lord, and, and, and profane words, God. I expect embrace where they used to be, God, Lord, uh, uh, loneliness, God, and, and solitude, God. I expect, Lord, forgiveness to flow in ways that move us, that move us, God, towards healing. No more, God, will we file things away than this place today, right here where we're at. Jesus, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. Come on, raise your hands. Raise your hands, married people. Lord, we have surrendered the deepest 
darkest things. God, we have surrendered the things in the bottom drawer. We've surrendered the things, God, not only in the bottom drawer, but in the back of the bottom of the drawer. And in this place today, we refuse to ever bring them up again. How can we bring them back when you have completely dealt with it through forgiveness? God, I pray that each and every couple will have a conversation about how they want to walk in the freedom of forgiveness together. And how they, from this moment on, refuse to file things away again. God, that when forgiveness is needed to be extended, that it will be extended. Father, that when forgiveness is needed to be asked for, it will be asked for, and it will be that seven. We will, we will, we will receive the Lord's words to Peter. When our heart says, do I have to do this again? We'll hear the expression of the Lord. To say that love forgives. And even though you can remember, it's that memory that makes your love so much more powerful. That you choose to embrace what unforgiveness would cause you to lay landmines for that you choose to heal what unforgiveness will cause you to destroy your marriage over Lord we pray it in Jesus precious name and everyone in this room said amen let me speak to you with all my heart I understand I understand that's not permission that's an expectation that we will obey the scripture and keep no record and watch what God will do in our marriage I promise you there's a miracle there's a miracle in shredding there's a miracle in forgiving and choosing to love bless you I love you. Please have a conversation. Amen. Amen. Turn around and tell your spouse, your neighbor, it's done.